This is Real Love Now, a ministry outreach of Pastor Don Allen in the Church at War Hill. As with every aspect of our ministry, the purpose of this broadcast is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him and His children, and discover your destiny now. Here's the message from Pastor Don Allen. When you are seeking God for a message, a lot of times he'll give you a series and you'll know weeks in advance what you're going to be preaching on a day. Sunday's message had been stirring in my heart for a few weeks and I I was so encouraged to hear people, uh, everywhere I've gone this week, people are like, I'm not behind, I'm with Jesus, amen, moving ahead. And that's just been awesome. But as great as that's been and powerful as we've seen God working, uh, the the very thing that we see uh, sometimes is God takes us to a moment to where he won't give you a sermon in advance. And he makes you live through something to get the sermon. The last three Wednesday nights, he's just been dropping a message into my heart. Uh, and of course, the first week was called Disappointed. Uh, last week was uh, uh, a Sunrise Christian. And, and this morning, I'm on my knees. I'm hugging my ottoman, seeking God, crying out to God. And, and I came to the part, point of praying for tonight's message. And I said, Lord, I need you to speak to me clearly uh, about uh, the sermon, Lord. I, I don't know where we're going. I don't know what you want me to do. And, and it was almost like God just inputted this sermon right into my heart. Uh, it's a, got a lot more scripture than I, I might normally bring on a Wednesday night. But it, just, it was like God just went, boom, right into my, my heart. It's three weeks in a row. And all three weeks, I've been like, are you for sure? But at the response last week, you know, as I brought you the message, seeing 40, 50 people say, hey, that's for me. So tonight, I'm just obeying God. And it's a little different. I, I, we had so much fun with the simplicity of Sunday's sermon. Tonight's message, a little bit more complex. Pick your battle. 2 Samuel chapter 11, very, very familiar passage. It says, in the spring of the year when kings normally go out to war. David sent Joab, the king sent Joab and the Israelite army to fight the Ammonites. They destroyed the Ammonite army and they laid siege to the city of Rabbah. However, David stayed behind in Jerusalem. Late one afternoon, after his midday rest, David got out of bed and was walking on the roof of the palace. And as he looked out over the city, he noticed a woman of unusual beauty taking a bath. He sent someone to find out who she was and He was told she is Bathsheba, the daughter of Elam, and the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Now what a wonderful scripture to start our sermon out with tonight. As God would begin to speak to me about this passage, uh, it lined up with what he was speaking in my own life. Do you remember, let me take you back for just a moment, when you were in the schoolyard and and everything seemed nice, but all of a sudden you heard these two words, or this one word a couple of times, I should rather say, you heard, fight, fight! How many of you would go run to see the fight? Yeah. How many of you are just glad you weren't in the fight? Fight! You see, everyone makes a circle and then they watch to see what's going to happen. Or how many times has a scoreless game become more interesting when a fight breaks out? Or in NASCAR, more is said about the wrecks caused by a bump and run and the fight that follows, come on now, than the actual race because there's something about the fight. Now, when we speak of fighting, it's amazing because people are so different. 
Many people live for the fight. They love a good scrap. They love a good argument. They love to be involved in a struggle. And then many people will do whatever they can to avoid the fight at all costs. Some of us bear so many scars that we know how to survive the fight, but we will go as far out of the way as possible to not be part of a conflict. But sometimes conflict is inevitable. Sometimes we find ourselves fighting that battle that we don't want to fight, but it must be fought. Now let's look at this scripture for just a moment with these thoughts in mind. There's battles that must be fought, and there's battles that we want to fight. So much is said that this short passage, it's simple, but there's a lot behind it. David sends someone else to fight a battle that he was supposed to fight. Now, we don't know why he sent someone else to fight a battle that he was supposed to fight, but we, we don't know if it was that he was sick, if he was just tired, if he was going through something, that if he had a project that for whatever reason he wanted to finish, but for whatever reason, David did not engage in the fight that he was supposed to fight. There was still a success in the battle. But the battle was not won by the one who was appointed to fight the battle. The battle that David should have been fighting, he ignored. Even though it worked out for the good of the nation, he still ignored the battle that he was supposed to fight. Since he was not where he was supposed to be, notice this real carefully, since he was not where he was supposed to be fighting the battle that he doesn't want to be fighting, he stumbles upon another battle. Since he's not doing what he's supposed to be doing, fighting the battle he's supposed to be fighting, he stumbles upon another battle and it's an, and he sees an opportunity for sin. He is clearly instructed by others who she is, instructed this will be sin. He understands the battle that's going on. There's a struggle going on in his heart over this moment. And as he understands this battle that's going on, he loses the battle for integrity and he surrenders to sin. Now, as God would begin to deal with my heart, I'm telling you, I, I was seeking God, and God just dropped this message in my heart. Here's a couple of conclusions that came to me about this in my spirit. The first conclusion of that is this. Many of the battles that we fight are the result of us not fighting the battles that we should. Many of the struggles that we are going through, we go through because we have not been willing to embrace what we should embrace. Many of the things that, that we have to, uh, have to try to navigate in our lives are the result not of the enemy's attack. They are the result of our lack of action. Secondly, this one's just burned into my heart. I have also found that when I fight the battles that I don't want to fight, I am prevented from fighting many of the battles that I do want to fight. Let me say it again. When I fight battles that I don't want to have to face in my life, the battles that have been distracting me that I want in my life suddenly don't have the allure that they once had. You see, David had an opportunity for two kinds of battles here. The first battle was the battle he didn't want to have to go fight, and he didn't go fight, but he should have went and fought because it was a, it was a battle that came against the safety of his nation. David should have fought that battle. 
If David had fought that battle, this was not, David was not a man of one wife. He was a man of many wives. We understand that David already had a propensity to lust. If David had been fighting the battle that he was supposed to be fighting, he would not have been on the rooftop fighting a battle that he wanted to fight. And if in our lives we face struggles and we face problems and there are tensions and things going on, sometimes those things are there and they're buffeting us because what they're doing, and they're not, I'm not saying they're sent by God, but what they're doing, those attacks are causing us to have to, to, to settle down in who we are and make a decision. Am I going to win that battle? And we're not so easily distracted by the sin that we like fighting with. Am I making sense to anybody tonight? We don't like the battles, but the battles make us change who we are. When I face unwanted opposition, I am distracted from the opportunity for sin that I want in the flesh. Why does this happen? Because when you are engaged in fighting an unwanted battle, you will not waste energy in the wrong direction. When your mind is focused on needing to hear from God because you're going through hell, you're not going to be thinking so much about the things you shouldn't be thinking about. You're going to be thinking about needing to hear from God. All of us hate going through a battle. You're not shouting with me tonight as much as you were shouting with me Sunday when I was talking about where you could go in Christ. But tonight I'm preaching about dealing with sin, fighting battles going through things you don't want to go through and in the middle of every struggle and every problem i'm going to tell you i don't care if you're facing hell itself god is still able and god is still faithful and in the middle of that storm you can realize god's still working for your good because as you focus your energy on lining up with god's will to overcome that battle you can't focus that same energy on following the flesh and the battles that it wants to fight God began to deal with me about how we resist the battles that we face and how we feel like God doesn't love us when we're in the battle. But it's in the battle sometimes that not His love is made more clear to us, but our love is more, made more clear to about Him in us. Secondly, I realized something. When you're fighting a battle, you will guard yourself more carefully. When you're fighting a battle, you don't spend as much time on the rooftop looking at things you shouldn't be looking at. Am I preaching truth? You see, we don't want to go through the storm. But does the Word not say that those are the Lord? Uh, the Lord loves, He chastens? Does the Word not tell us these things? Does it, I'm not saying that it's God's will for us to be destroyed. As a matter of fact, I know it's not God's will for us to be destroyed. But most of the battles we fight, we create in ourselves. But a lot of those battles that we do fight, as I told you a moment ago, are the result of us not fighting the right battle in the first place. That's because we've chosen to fight the wrong battle. You see, you will guard yourself more carefully. Let me just give you an example. In times of abundance, you're like, oh, we can afford it. Amen. But you let things get a little tight, boom, you shut down the spending. I'm going to tell you, I've never seen anybody do it like that man right there. <laughs> My dad, did you let the... You let one, two days of slow work come in, and he's like, he's like yanking the cable out of the wall of the house. I'm like, Dad, could you, could you, could you give it a week or so? As a kid, you know, that's what I'm thinking. Could you give it a week or so? He's like, no, we've got to do what it takes to protect this family. You see, when the battle comes, it causes you to be more careful. 
And so instead of feeling like God doesn't love you because you're going through a storm, we ought to look in the middle of the storm and say, okay, God, thank you that you've got my attention in the middle of this storm. It's not your will that this storm destroy me. It's your will that I overcome this, but I'm going to learn in the middle of this storm. And what do I need to guard more in my life? You see, when you guard yourself more carefully because when you need to know God is on your side, you'll be more careful about what you allow to sidetrack you. When I'm in a battle, I've learned this. I'll, I'll pray, God, I want, this is what I want you to do, and I, I want to win this, and I want to win this. And then I have to realize, do I want to win this so that people see I'm right, or do I want to win this because it is right? Am I making sense to anybody? You see, we wonder why. We start making progress spiritually, and we wonder why God is allowing us to go through this struggle that we're going through, and we understand there's so many great benefits that can come through a struggle because we learn to push harder. We have who we are tested. We become stronger in our faith. We grow, and trials, they work in our life. Scripture says they work certain things out in our lives, and as these things are working out in our lives, thank God for where we've, what we've come through. And, and I'm, one of the greatest testimonies I've heard from person after person in all the years of pastoring is people say, if I could change it, I wouldn't because of what God taught me in the middle of the storm. What God taught me in the middle of the storm. I remember that illustration I gave you several months ago when the man who had been misdiagnosed and he thought he was dying and, and he went and, and he'd had this diagnosis of, uh, you know, you've got three to six months to live and, and he lives past that time and they realize they misdiagnosed him and, and he became utterly depressed once he learned that he was not dying. And they said, why are you depressed now that you learn you're going to live? And he said, I'm depressed because I don't want to go back to the way it was before I have changed so much in my life. You see, when you get in a battle, you can run, you can hide, you can feel like God doesn't love you, or you can realize who God is in your life. And because of the, what the battle's working in you, you'll find yourself, you'll, you'll realize, I need to be careful what I'm involved in in the battles that I want to be involved in. Maybe I'm not being clear about that. Who knows what battles in your life I'm talking about? Be honest with me. The stuff you want that you shouldn't be a part of. The things that your flesh desires. The weaknesses, the struggles, the problems that come your way. The battles we want to fight. You know how it is. You don't even resist them. But the battle's not before you fall in the sin. The battle's after you fall in the sin because of all the shame and the guilt that comes. And see, that's the other thing. When you're in a great battle, you won't have time to fight the battle of sin and shame because you're kicking for your life to stay above the water. And God began to deal with me about this. And like I said, He just poured it into my heart that, son, sometimes you face what you face because I'm working on you on the inside. You see, some battles must be fought. What did Paul say to Timothy? 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse number 18 says this, Timothy, my son, here are my instructions for you. Based on the prophetic words spoken about you earlier, may they help you fight well in the Lord's battles. Cling to your faith in Christ and keep your conscience clear. Here's what he says. He said, boy, you're going to have to fight. Here he says again, six chapters later, he says, but you, Timothy, are a man of God. So run from all these evil things. Pursue righteousness and a godly life along with faith, love, and perseverance and gentleness. Fight the good fight for the true faith. Hold tightly to the eternal life to which God has called you, which you have confessed 
so well before many witnesses. What does he say to him? He says, keep fighting. You've been telling people about what God is doing. And I didn't mean to get stopped here, but something just caught in my spirit. We need to become that kind of a believer, that we're not up and down, in and out, and our family watching to see if we're going to serve God this six months or not this six months. That we need to become consistent in who we are because we have testified to his faithfulness. We have testified to his goodness. And we need to plant ourselves. I don't care what diagnosis comes your way. Plant yourself and still declare he's a healer and he's faithful. Plant yourself no matter what they declare over you. God is still God and he's still good we fight on we press on and we realize i didn't ask for this battle but devil you brought this battle my way and i'll grow in the middle of it and god will be glorified on the other side of it amen amen i made it that far without getting to shout tonight (sighs) fight the good fight fight the good fight i understand this very very close tonight true christianity is a fight It's a fight. And this is what the Lord spoke to me as I was preparing this message today. When I said true Christianity is a fight, anything less is no more than false advertising. Amen. Anything less is no more than false advertising. We're going to go through battles. We're going to go through struggles. God's not sending these things our way. The enemy is trying to attack us. The enemy is trying to destroy us. Some of it we invited upon our life. But in the middle of everything, God's still faithful. You see, but we're going to have to learn to fight. Not with other Christians, but rather we fight the flesh. We fight the flesh. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27 reads like this. But I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself become disqualified. My goodness. I fight the flesh. You know, God began to take me through the changes in my body last year. Everybody's like, hey, preach a message about it. Preach, preach a message about how to, how to lose weight. Preach. I said... I best not yet. Come on now. I still speak Oreo. And in the middle of a stressed day, a dear brother helped me yesterday eat Reese's ice cream. I speak the wrong language still. Why would I preach something? Come on now. That I, I'm going to fall in front of. I'm still fighting to get my ground. But there are areas that I look back on now and where I thought I could never stand, I've learned to stand. I've learned to fight. I've learned to press on. And it was in the battles of yesterday that God taught me what I needed to learn. And I had to realize what I learned in that struggle was what God was using to equip me to walk forward. See, what the devil means for your bad, God's always going to turn for your good. So when you say, I'm going through a battle, welcome to the club. The question is, are you going to win? Because as we talked about Sunday... The enemy's place is behind you. And as long as you are with Christ, that's your victory is already settled. I'm making sense to anybody. We fight the flesh. 
we fight the world. This should be real relevant to where we are right now. 1 John chapter 4, beginning in verse number 4, says, But you belong to God, my dear children. You have already won a victory over those people because the Spirit who lives in you is greater than the Spirit who lives in the world. Those people belong to this world, so they speak from the world's viewpoint, and the world listens to them. But we belong to God, and those who know God listen to us. If they do not belong to God, they do not listen to us. This is how we know if someone has the Spirit. Watch this. Uh, matter of fact, if you've got your Bibles out, you've opened to 1 John 4, that's verse 6. You might even want to underline this. It, what it basically says is you know where somebody's walking. This is how we know if someone has the Spirit of truth or the Spirit of deception. You know about how someone's walking by where they stand up in line with the world's issues. I'm just going to get real radical about this. If they start telling you it's okay to kill a baby, you know whether or not they're really a believer. Straight up. I'm not, I'm not condemning someone who's went through that horrible, horrible travesty. You need to repent. And if you have, God has grace for you just like He has grace for all the rest of us sinners. Can I get an amen for that? But to stand up and say we support something that clearly violates the Word of the living God, there are people transferring into our congregation because their congregation is taking stands. We're getting calls after call and person after person saying, where do you stand on this issue? Our church no longer stands for what the Bible says. Now, it's a dangerous thing when you feel like you're the only church that does. We are not the only church that does. God has a remnant in our nation and we believe revival can come. Amen. But what I'm telling you clearly is when even a church changes the lineup with the world's viewpoint that goes against the Word of God, the Scripture says you know whether or not they're true or they're deception. That's what it says. To be a Christian, you should be a complete opposite of what darkness is proclaiming to this generation. It's simple. The world says give up, back down, you should stand up and speak out. The world says... This is acceptable. And when it violates the commands of Christ, no matter how much you love somebody, you have to speak truth to them. D.L. Moody said, if you really believed in hell, you would soak your pillow with tears until that family of yours knew the gospel of Jesus Christ. We cannot back down just because we love them and we think they won't see us anymore. I'm telling you, life is short, but eternity is long. We will have to fight the world. I'm not talking about preaching in hate. But I'm talking about being a person who says, I may love you, but I'm, not going, I'm going to be honest with you. I'll never forget, I walked into a hospital downtown Atlanta. The hospital room is full of people who just want to tell someone goodbye that's dying. Those who stand opposed to them because of their worldview and their practices have declared that no one who believes in Jesus can go into that hospital room. Nobody who believes in Christ can go into the hospital room. This person's about to leave this world. I'll never forget the moment as they were talking to me, the people that were on the wrong side of the issue were talking to me, and I had tried everything I could to keep my job a secret from them. 
You know, when people will talk like they want to until they know you're a preacher and then they want to talk Sunday school. Here's what I tell them. They're like, what do you do for a living? I said, I'm a motivational speaker. <laughs> Come on now, amen. <laughs> I motivate people to Jesus, glory to God. And I was just sitting there loving them. Finally, after I could avoid the topic no longer, they discovered who I was and what I stood for. And I'll never forget them saying, would you like to go back and pray with him? We were diametrically opposed on worldviews. But the love of Christ breaks through the darkness. You will never break through the darkness by agreeing with the world. We must fight it. We must be holy. We must serve God. We fight the flesh. We fight the world. We do not fight each other. We fight the enemy. There is an enemy. Ephesians chapter 6, put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood, enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in, the, in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Guys, I'm not going to labor on this one long tonight because I've got several other things I want to get to. But very carefully, hear me. The enemy is on assignment against you and your family. The enemy is on assignment against your home and against your future. Not every problem we fight is, is the product of the enemy. Many of them are the product of our own fleshly desires. But many times there is an assignment against your life. And that's why no matter how hard you try to outrun that, whatever that is, whether if it's an addiction or a a, a lust problem or a hate problem, it chases you. Opportunities for it chase you. That's, that is a demonic assignment from the enemy. And the way that you're going to get free, you listen to me carefully. And I had no intention of saying this, but I feel this in my spirit very, very directly. The way you're going to get free from that spirit is you need to begin to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. You need to begin to ask God to fill you with the Holy Spirit and just to be regenerating your mind in His presence. And as you begin to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit, where the Holy Spirit walks in, the darkness cannot stay. And I feel Jesus tonight. Father, I want to ask you with these, before I move in this message, would you fill us with more of your Holy Spirit? That every assignment of the enemy... Come on, I, look, I'm going to preach for a moment. We'll bow your heads for just a second. Who would say, I have some darkness that's chasing me and I want more of God? Let me see your hand. Father God, you see these that are raising their hand right now. Lord, I thank you that, that the Holy Spirit of God is beginning to move in their lives in a new way. Thank you for the victory that comes through Christ and the power that is ours through you. In Jesus' name, amen. So I, I, why do we fight these things? Why don't we just give in to some of the temptations and struggles? Well, here's what I remember about the first year or so of marriage as my wife walks out the door. I can now talk freely. There were lots of art, you know, y'all will all go tell her, you know. <laughs> I know how you are. You, if I say something that's that going to get me in trouble, before she can get to that door, 12 people that said, you know what he said about you? <laughs> you see, there were a lot of arguments in our first year of marriage. I know some of you never argued your first year of marriage. <laughs> and there were a lot of arguments that happened then that we don't have now. We don't have those arguments 25 years later. Why? 
Because then we were trying to establish our way of living together and whose way was the better way. Now we've got into a groove. I've learned to say yes, ma'am. But I honestly remember, I really remember having fights. Listen to this. We had fights that in the middle of the fights, I couldn't remember what we were fighting about. But I was so determined not to lose the fight, I kept fighting. How I many know what I'm talking about? Come on now, amen. I kept fighting because I didn't want to lose. I fought on. We will not fight the flesh sometimes. We will not be different from the world. We will not resist the enemy unless we remember what we're fighting for. And here's what we fight for. We fight for faith. Are you listening to me? We fight for faith. Faith, listen to me carefully, is worth the fight. You see, faith is the result of what we believe in God's Word. Faith is the result of what we found that we can hold on to that is true in a world that swirls in defeat. Faith comes from hearing the Word of God. And it's worth the fight. When we believe what we're fighting for, we will finish the fight. But too many of us have got in the middle of the fight and thought, what am I fighting about anyways? And we give up the fight. But what we believe, you see, the actions of our life are the results of what we believe to be true. And when we believe it to the core, one year, two years, 25 years do not change the issue. There are some issues because of the scars those issues had upon my family. I have never changed nor softened on those issues. I have believed those issues to the core of who I am. And when you believe the promises of God to the core of who you are, you know why you keep fighting even when it would be easier to give up. Let me rephrase that statement of what I feel of the Holy Spirit. You will keep fighting even when you've messed up. Because you believe the Word of God. You see, when we believe God's Word concerning a battle, it will change everything about how we approach that battle. We will no longer approach that battle from a desire to survive, but by faith in God's plan, we will approach that battle with a plan to win. Most of us see a struggle coming our way, and we brace ourselves and, oh Jesus, just get me through. I'll tell you what just dropped in my heart. Pastor, I, I feel like most of us end up hiding in a hole with the rest of the Israelites when the giant shouts. Most of us don't know where to stand because we don't believe the plan. Well, I feel the Holy Ghost as I'm talking to you now. We don't believe the plan. If we believe the plan that the Word of God says, like the three Hebrew children said, though, look, listen, you don't have to bother with it again. If He does not deliver me, it does not matter because I believe what He commanded me to believe. I know what He's done, and I'm going to honor God. The next time you go into a fight, let's just make it real practical with your spouse and the enemy's telling you to give up, break up, dissolve, lose the fight. Why don't you start believing God's plan? That God's plan said, I can heal anything. I can restore anything. I can deliver you from anything. And when you start believing God's plan, you don't go into the battle going, well, maybe we'll come through and, and, and we won't be too scarred up. You will go through the battle and say, I may come out with a few scars that are honoring unto God, but I'm coming out the other side because he that began the work in me will carry it through to its completion. Amen. Yeah. 
If you ought to help me tonight, we might have church. Come on now. How many thankful for a God who can bring you through and has a plan for your victory? Amen. Amen. You see, faith is a plan to win. Oh, I, I've got faith. We're going to come through this, brother. No, faith says, I'm going to win. Most of us just won't have enough faith to survive. But no, I will win. Well, Pastor Don, what if so-and-so believed that to the end and they, they went on to glory? Well, <laughs> they won ahead of us. That doesn't mean I give up and let the enemy win. I'll never forget moments that mark your life. I'll never forget walking up to my friend who was dying of ALS. Many of your friends had the night before he died, when he could no longer move his body. And I could see with his eyes that he wanted me close, and I snuck in close, and I heard through the breathing machine that was forcing air in and out of his lungs, I heard him declaring the glory of God because the battle never ceased. The body might have been weary, but there was something inside of him. And thanks be to God, the next morning when he opened his eyes, it wasn't upon another machine, but it was on the face of Jesus, and he won forever. Amen. We will win. Faith keeps me fighting to win. We won't settle for second place. Here's another lesson God has taught me this week. Sometimes we desire to do God's plan of action so much that we hesitate to act. Listen, God's been dealing with me. We want to do the right action, which has many times left me with no action, which becomes the wrong action. Faith at its core is action. Pastor Danny and I were talking about this, that this week. When you so want to do what's right, that you don't do anything because you're afraid what you're going to do is wrong. You know what one of the hardest things ever for me to interpret God spoke to my heart was? I said, God, what do you want me to do? And he said, whatever you want. I was like, no, no, I need you to give me instructions. He said, no, I know you. You do what you want to do. And I was like, Lord, I want to do what you want me to do. And he's like, that's why I want you to do what you want to do because I want to bless that kind of heart. And I was like, Lord... I don't know how to move unless you say step there. He's like, what have I trained you to do? To step. If your motives are right, you're going to have to learn to trust the Holy Spirit that your actions are going to be right. When your heart gets right in an issue, then you begin to walk healthier. So if you... I don't know where this just came into my heart, but if you ever have this thought in your mind, I probably shouldn't do this or probably shouldn't say this, Take that as the Holy Spirit. It might be your spirit, but take it as the Holy Spirit. Because that's your warning yourself. But if you honestly feel, and even if it doesn't go the way you thought, how I many of you have ever been there? You thought it was going to end up, I don't know how many times I went to tell Christina something and it didn't end up, I thought she'd be like, oh yes, hallelujah. And she's like, what are you thinking? It didn't go the way I thought it would go. But if my heart was not wrong, then it shows. You see, faith delayed is the problem for some of us. Some of you are going, well, Pastor Don, I, 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 I jumped too quick. No, 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 you're missing what I'm saying. I'm talking about when you never do anything because you've been trying to figure out what the right thing is. And I, people say, well, Pastor Don, what should I do until God tells me what to do? I said, well, if you don't know what else to do, do what he told you last until he tells you what to do next because you know you're doing what he told you to do. 
but do something. Faith is action. Put your faith to action. We will never fight the battle we should unless we deeply believe in the call. A final word from Ephesians 6. We read this earlier, but be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you'll be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Now verse 13, therefore put on every piece of God's armor so that you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of trouble. Watch the last line. Then after the battle, you'll, you will still be standing firm. This battle will pass. Fight God's way and you're still going to be there on the other side. You see, you're not going to be respected for the battle that you don't want to fight, but it is how you fight that will cause others to give praise to your God. What did Hebrews 11:2 say? Through their faith, the people in days of old earned good reputation. Through putting their action into the plan of God. That's how. They earned a good reputation. Not waiting, but acting. Now, I want to tell you a closing story that, that may take me just a moment. A story that I found very interesting. I first heard it from uh, uh, Ray Haynes, and, and it just, just stuck in my, my heart and came out today. It's a story about Hiro Onada. How many of you know who Hiro Onada was? Anybody? Okay. Hiro Onada was one of the last of the many so-called holdouts that were around Asia who refused to give themselves up after the Japanese emperor surrendered to the Allies in 1945. The soldier, Hiro Onada, became a war hero after he finally surrendered on the, on the Philippine island of Lubang in March of 1974. The surrender was 1945. Almost 30 years, he kept fighting. He only gave himself up then after they flew his former commander, who was now a book salesman. They flew him in, and he gave him instructions to surrender. Because until he had the right instructions to surrender, he only had the instructions that he had been given before. You see, most of the Japanese troops had surrendered immediately in February of 45. After that, he had to find a way to survive. He stole rice and bananas from locals. He shot their cows to, to take the beef. He had attacked in many ways. He would... He would even still continue battles in the islands. He had been ordered originally to do all he could to hamper enemy attacks on the island, including destroying the airstrip and the pier at the harbor. His orders stated this very simple phrase, that under no circumstances was he to surrender or was he permitted to take his own life. He was to fight until the orders came to stop fighting. When he landed on the island, he joined with the other officers. The senior officers told him not to follow out the order of destroying the airstrip, which was the reason the Americans were easily able to take the island because that order wasn't followed. The island was taken, and as the others surrendered, he and three other soldiers took off into the mountains. They lived in these mountains, and it came to the point, because they continued the war, that 
after Japan had surrendered, that they dropped leaflets from planes that said the war ended on August 15th. Stop fighting. He had paper in his hands. However, he and the other soldiers so mistrusted the leaflet that they concluded that it was Allied propaganda. Toward the end of 1945, more pamphlets were dropped. Excuse me, that one was left at a site that he, they knew he'd find. More were dropped from a plane that included personal letters from family that said, give up, come home. And he concluded that there was no evidence to prove the war was over. Somebody said, that guy's pretty slow, right? They looked at it and determined that it was not genuine. One of the four walked away in 1949 and surrendered went back to his normal life. In 1950, another, uh, the other two were eventually shot and killed. The 52 pictures were dropped and they still continued the fight. Over and over again, the message came, give up. Finally, on February 20th, 1974, Onada met a Japanese man named Norio Suzuki looking for him to try to convince him the war was over. But yet, and he described him, Onada described this man as a hippie that came to meet him. He would refuse to surrender saying this, that he was waiting for orders from his superior officer. Suzuki returned to Japan with pictures of himself on the Nada to prove to the government he had found him and could find him again. They brought this superior officer. As I told you earlier, he went back and he finally met Onada, and listen to me carefully, and fulfilled this promise that he had made him in 1944. He had said to him, whatever happens, I will come back for you. He said, I'm back. And I'm issuing, issuing you this order. Surrender. In accordance with the military headquarters command number A-2003, the special squadron of staff headquarters is, believed, uh, uh, is relieved of all military duties. They are to surrender their weapons. When no officer can be found, they will surrender to Americans or Philippines. I mean, all this, they, they made it. Upon, listen to this carefully. Upon this surrender order, Onada turned over his sword, his functioning rifle, 500 rounds of ammunition, several hand grenades, as well as the dagger his mother had given him to kill himself if he was captured. All because he was told, you fight until I get back to get you. You don't give up until I get back to get you. Do you know what that reminded me of? He said, Surely, if I go to prepare a place for you, I will return and take you there. Jesus said, hey, I'm going away, but I'm coming back. Fight until we are relieved of duty. Fight. Guard your weapons. Guard with honor what has been entrusted to you. Stop believing the propaganda of the enemy. Too many of us too quickly think it's time to give up. Keep pressing on. Keep believing. Keep fighting. 
Keep honoring God. Keep living for God. Keep serving Him the way He's told you to do. And I don't care how many times the devil drops things on your life that says give up. You fight until the one who commissioned you breaks through the clouds. You hear a trumpet blast and a shout. Or until you open your eyes on glory. Keep fighting. The battle is worth it. Amen. You, don't, you know what just dropped in my spirit? And I'm trying to close. This just dropped in my spirit. I don't care what believer around you surrenders. I don't care what church changes their doctrine. I don't care what happens in this world and what is said to be changed. We must keep on fighting because our orders are clear. The Word of God says preach the gospel to all the world and that's what we're going to do. Amen. But we will never fight the great fight as long as we're fighting the little fights. We must stop fighting the fights we want and not be deterred by the fights we don't. Stand with me. Your orders are simple. Honor God. Love God. Serve God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. Take the gospel to the ends of the earth. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And make disciples of all men. We must know who we are if we are to lead others. And we must fight even when we don't want to fight the good fight of faith. I'm almost arguing with the Holy Spirit. Here's what I feel in my heart. This is not one of those moments to go, okay, who needs to fight the good fight? This is everybody. This is who we are. Fight on. Don't give up. Keep pressing. Keep moving forward. The battle may not be one you want to fight, but God will turn it into a victory you can declare to everyone. Father, I thank you for this night. I thank you for the Holy Spirit and the power of God. Lord, I ask you that even in the battles in my life that I do not want to be in, Lord, somehow let us find the way to bring you glory through the battles. Father, thank you that the battles we don't want to be in Help us overcome the battles we shouldn't be. Father, thank you for delivering power of the Holy Spirit that sets us free. Lord, there are marriages in here that are going to take strength from this. There, there are families that are going through conflict right now, Lord. That, that they're going to they're realize that some of the battles they're fighting are not the right battles. And they're going to start fighting for their family instead of against their family. They're going to fight for their children, for their spouse, for their church, for the call of God on their life. Father, thank you for the Holy Spirit and power and the joy of the Lord that is our strength. And all God's people said, Amen and Amen. Don't you know God's good to us tonight? Amen. That's today's word from Pastor Don Allen to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him all over again, and live out your destiny now. To learn more about our pastor and the ministry of the church at War Hill, join us online at warhill.com. Then join us in worship at one of our North Georgia locations. Service times are Sundays at 8.15, 9.30, and 11 a.m., where you will find Real Love Now.